0: Welcome to the Big Kids Book Club, a podcast about all things fictional from middle grade to young adult. So sit back, relax and enjoy the show. hey hey hey! welcome back to another episode of the big kids book club my name is marcus and i'm your host and joining me on the show today we have author of chocolate milk x-ray specs and me and the brand new book how to steal the mona lisa it's Bethany walker welcome to the show thank you for having me thank you
1: i'm delighted to be here
0: It's exciting to have you here. Uh, Thank you for making time to to come and speak to us. Uh, And uh, we want to really get to know you a little bit better because you're a brand new author here on the book club. So can you tell us a little bit about your writing journey, about how you got started and like how you got up to where you are now?
1: So my writing journey started really at school. I loved writing and I loved children's books. I was a real bookworm and then I actually studied history. So I pursued a different interest. But it was only when I had my own children that I rekindled my love of children's books. And actually, I think nowadays there's a real golden age of children's writing. And I fell in love with that world all over again and decided I would like to try my hand at getting a little piece of it. And here we are.
0: Fantastic. So that makes me wonder, because obviously uh, your debut novel was Chocolate Milk, X-Ray Specs and Me. I wonder, was that like the first one you had a crack at writing? Was that the one that got the agent, got the ball rolling?
1: It was not. um, As you say, it is my debut, but I actually started off writing or being interested in writing picture book texts. And um, I think partly because that mirrored the age of the children, my children at that point, And I absolutely loved writing children's um, picture books, but they were really difficult. Even if you've only got 500 words, they're so difficult to get a really good shape. And I'm full of admiration for people who do picture books. So that was where I started. And when I got an agent through writing picture books, um, she actually encouraged me to branch out a little bit and look to see if I could write something longer and chocolate milk x-ray spectrum was what came out of that so it is actually the first longer book that I wrote when I was aiming at middle grade but obviously many many drafts (laughs) it didn't just spring fully formed out of my brain
0: oh no I can understand you listen to so many people's different writing journeys and they all have so Sometimes very similar tangents. Others go on absolute roundabouts for years. Um, But the great thing about the book, I can see where the picture book almost influence comes from, because the way that uh, Chocolate Milk and X-ray Specs is sort of written is very much in the writing of letters, isn't it? It's very much confined with like Freddie's letters to his parents, who believes are are they picking Brussels sprouts on a farm in outer space? I think it's that it. And then when they're definitely not,
1: not not quite out of not quite out of space they're in a, a country called outer castanga that's,
0: um, that's, that's
1: what freddie believes that they are sprout farming um yes that's <laughs> that is the setup but yes that i think i was very interested in trying to come up with quite a visual way of telling a story so i was very keen for it to be quite highly illustrated and i'm delighted to be paired up with the fantastic jack noel for this book and for um, the second book that's recently come out But I think the the letter writing thing, partly that is that I've always loved writing letters. My mum was a very, very avid letter writer and she ensured that we always wrote thank you letters after Christmas and we always wrote postcards when we were on holiday. And from being forced to do that, you then start to see actually it's a really lovely way of communicating with people and people do appreciate it. And there's nothing better than getting a personal note through the posts Um, It's something that we are slightly losing these days. But that love then also combined with the concept for for chocolate milk. And once I'd had the idea, the the brainwave, (laughs) um, I uh, was very glad to have um, of this idea that what if there was a child whose parents were international secret agents, but the child had absolutely no idea. So that is the basic premise of chocolate milk. The only way I could think of writing that in and for it to be funny is from the point of view of the child so him writing to his parents the reader gets a very good idea of exactly what freddie understands and exactly what he does not understand and he does not understand many 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 things
0: but i think it is it's, from the reader's point of view it is that sort of the way he's trying to, to fill in the blanks and the, 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 the sort of just the complete depth between what what is real and what actually he's been led to believe sort of creates that sort of just allows the hilarities to sort of ensue in the middle and I feel it definitely takes that sort of a similar approach in the brand new book how to steal the Mona Lisa which not quite secret agents but it has an amazingly sort of ambitious sort of plot behind it with the art thief and well, the 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 mystery of the original art thief and now the 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 search the missing Mona Lisa. I wonder where this this idea for a a sort of like a a tail-spinning heisty story came from.
1: Um, Well that was inspired in part and I have to start this by saying that I was never involved in stealing art. (laughs) (laughs) um, It was inspired by my love of art and galleries so um, I said before that I ended up not pursuing writing um, after school, what I did was study history and actually worked in museums and galleries for for quite a long time and was very privileged to work in some really beautiful treasure houses. And my job was to take children around, do projects with them, tour them, introduce them to the objects and to tell stories really. And so to be able to set a, a story in that world was um, quite a, a dream. And I was delighted when Scholastic, um, who was the publishers, agreed to, to that concept of art heist. And, you know, it was having a moment as well with Lupin and um, various other things coming up on the likes of Netflix. So, um, you know, a child-friendly art heist story was
0: um, very much something I wanted to do. I was going to say it sounds like something you've been secretly training for for years or something like that, gathering the knowledge, the intel inside a job. I think it's
1: amazing, now that I am writing, it's amazing how much you draw on absolutely anything from the past. And that would be from my life, but also from anyone's. I think be aware, if you are friends with a writer, that they will just magpie anything (laughs) and everything um, and make it their own. I don't think they'll make it too obvious that they stole it um, too much. But, you know, it is just... Getting that little nugget of an idea here, or uh, remembering a, a feeling of I don't know, cringing embarrassment, which I get quite a lot, and, and sort of putting them together to make some kind of story.
0: Yes, friends, who have been warned. <laughs> Just to put it out of there. But you do keep uh, the same sort of style, emails and letters are sort of exchanged, along with like newspaper clippings, and obviously Jake's got his blog. So this sort of uh, the, the dripping of the information was quite interesting because. Obviously, there's the mystery intertwined with where is the missing one leasing. As you're the reader, you're going along trying to piece it together yourself. I wonder, as a, a writer, how did you keep the fragments of the story and like how to make sure you're breadcrumbing rather than just giving too much information at a time? Did you have like a system like sticky notes all over the wall, a conspiracy board like at the back of the book?
1: A little bit. Certainly, when I first start planning the story, I um, very much work by hand. (laughs) I'm quite traditional in that regard. So there'll be lots of notes all over the place, not quite sticky notes in a sort of detective story kind of way, but. I wish it was that organised, to be honest. It's generally in various different notebooks. And then I have the hassle of finding them all. So, yeah, when it comes to writing the story and putting it together, I tend to write the main character first so that I almost have a a same level of not quite understanding what's going on as they do. And then um, once the rest of the characters and the further information takes shape, um, then it's... Hopefully it all falls into place because this is only still my second book. I'm still perfecting my process. What I do really like is using a big calendar. So once I've got largely the shape of the story, so certainly have written the first, the main character, I tend to write it out on a big calendar because even though the stories are quite nonsensical, I still feel like they really need to take place in the real world. So I need the Saturday to be the Saturday and, you know, the Easter to sit on the right day and those kind of things. um, It it bothers me if they don't, and especially when they're set in school, you know, there needs to be a half-term holiday in an appropriate place and those kind of things. It's important
0: to me. Yeah. And also readers are going to know exactly when, I mean, I'm pretty sure they're eager to know like, oh, half-term is coming quite aware (laughs) when school is not on. I don't think that's going to be important. Um, but I love how you mentioned the main characters there because this one really it focuses around sort of Mia's going to be the main driver obviously Jake her former best friend who's still her friend uh helps her as he constantly throws in ideas about his conspiracies and many of them and then you've got granny who she's writing her letters to but also like the mysterious figures such as uh I think if it's all the codenames. is it codename boss eyed and yeah. codenamed? oh they've got so many funny names one's called like carrot Like, (laughs) I wonder if you have a favourite when you I know you said you write obviously the main character, which would have been Mia's perspective first, but do you find yourself sort of like, like diving into other sort of areas of it? Maybe like the mysterious espionage agency behind it, maybe going into Jake's sort of weird conspiracy blogs. Is there a favourite part of the book you you really enjoyed sort of diving into?
1: Yes, definitely. I think it's, I mean, I find it a really fun way to write, which is why I'm very happy to um you know, have a, a second book out in this similar vein. And certainly when I was writing the first book, when I first wrote it, actually there were only letters from Freddie, and that was the only voice I heard. Um, but it meant that it was quite dark because he was writing these letters that became quite um, you know, the reader could tell that he was in quite a lot of danger and he just wasn't hearing back from his parents. I found that hilarious, but apparently not acceptable um, which I can completely understand and then actually when I was encouraged to to write the other voices it opened it up so much and it was the most fun I've had writing especially when it came to writing the quite psychopathic um, Dr Alphabet and the same is true of How to Steal the Mona Lisa where it the different voices just allow me to almost when I'm typing As the different characters, I feel that I'm even putting on different faces, face expressions, because I'm sort of trying to think as them. So if it's a mean character, then I'm all scrunched up. So it's it's a strange process. I'm quite glad that I do it alone in my house, not anywhere visible. I did really enjoy writing Jake. I find that I need to um, try and focus on a different character at a time so that I keep their voice as much as possible as well
0: oh okay that's interesting I was wondering because obviously when you sort of I guess it's in the same way you know podcasts are edited you sort of cut and you move bits around but obviously you've got all these different voices but there'll be like a section from Mia here maybe a reply from granny there and then a, a blog conspiracy there so you're writing them all individually do you then have to basically go oh that bit goes here and then that goes there and is this where the calendar comes into play this is the
1: magic of the calendar yes absolutely and I do tend to color code it so I can see where there is the spread of Mia's letters uh, Mia's emails compared to Jake's blogs and and things so it does really help to see that laid out visually and obviously I also have to give a nod to my fantastic editor Linus Alsnask, who is you know another pair of eyes but just such a brilliant pair of eyes where he can see at a distance where there needs to be a little more focus on one thing a bit of a better balance somewhere else I love editors they're just the best
0: I was gonna say it's, it's you know it's one of those things where writing no one ever sees the first draft it's always you know many many drafts many many polishes so I'm really glad that I managed to get a hold of the finished product which was very funny very witty the the mystery as well sort of grabs you all the way up to the end It was one of the real highlights and because it is written in such a way especially as a big kid i can read it so quickly which makes me feel so much better with the limited time we have in our hands it was lovely to just be like oh oh it's written ah and just suddenly because reading like the the emails and the blog chains it's just you rather than like the heavy dense prose of maybe other books you're just like you're suddenly flying through them and of course the beautiful illustrations were fantastic to go with them they just complemented beautifully
1: Thank you very much. Um, and um, a lot of the feedback we've had is that it sort of sits perfectly for reluctant readers, um, but also um, when, when they discover it, I mean, a little bit like the very popular Wimpy Kid and Tom Gates, it being split up into smaller chunks than norm- a normal chapter, I think, really helps. But obviously the density of the story is there. And, you know, talking about the the layout, I also have to give a nod to the designer, because what a headache that I give him with all of these different kinds of communications that all need to be laid out differently. So yeah, I I work him hard.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And I said, the finished product is out now from Scholastic, you know, how to steal the Mona Lisa. I highly recommend you go out, grab a copy from your local friendly bookstore. But obviously, Beth, we are now looking into what else you've got up your sleeve. Uh, I know you're Busy with uh, another picture book coming out this year, and wondered if there's any more things on your writing table.
1: Well, yes, I do have a picture book coming out next month, which is so exciting because even though Chocolate Milk was my debut, actually, this picture book was contracted um, a couple of years before that. So it's been three and a half years in the making, and it is a thing of joy. It's called The Lion's hate haircuts and um I have a copy in my hands it is so uh, picture books are just so rich and gorgeous and I'm so proud of it Um, but it has been a long time in the making so hooray that it's out in the world soon Um, and then in terms of other projects well it's a little bit too early to tell you anything about that so in a very true to form spy way I could tell you but then I would have to kill you
0: understand understand we we are <laughs> we prefer to uh, remain in the land of the living so we can enjoy more of your books but there you go yes do lions hate haircuts coming out in april from walker isn't it i believe yes that's right there you go so more bookish content for you to get your hands on and speaking about getting your hands on more bookish content i think that takes us nicely on to the competition yes it's competition time so that means one of you lovely listeners can get your hands on a copy of how to steal the Mona Lisa, uh, how to do that is uh, easy. You want to creep onto our Twitter at Big Book Club, all one long lovely word there. And then you want to retweet and like the competition posts using the hashtag Mona Lisa Comp. And using the analogy we have mentioned there earlier, the main source of, I don't want to say antagonist uh, of the book but definitely the one of the mysteries of the book is who is the fish which is the notorious art thief behind the plots of the book and so got me thinking for the quizzy question what would be your art thief name because all good art thieves need a really good name a good moniker so I always like to put my authors on the spot I can see Beth you're like suddenly looking nervous but Beth what would be your art thief name
1: Oh, well, that is such a good question. And to be honest, I'm just looking around my house going, maybe I'll be called the chair or the curtain or the because <laughs> I have no idea. Let's say, to keep it with a, a fishy theme, I'm going to go the octopus.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Who knows why? <laughs> Who knows why? The octopus. I would go for... That's a good point, actually. What would I go for? I would probably, think that I am known probably now for my podcast i would go for something like the voice and just leave an audio recording at the scene of the crime
1: yes i mean i was thinking that having eight tentacles would be very useful for for stealing art and doing other things i mean maybe my useless answer just really proves the point that i haven't ever stolen art and want to emphasize that
0: want to go on record i have not stolen art absolutely yes <laughs> well there's just some of our answers you can go and steal yourself uh, your own entry into this competition by heading over to the twitter at big kids book club hashtag mona lisa comp and tell us your art thief name but unfortunately the ending of this podcast has been stolen from us so it is time for us to depart uh, Beth, thank you so much for coming on the show it's been so much fun chatting to you
1: Thank you very much for having me. I've loved being here.
0: Uh, Well, I'm not going to completely let you disappear on us until you can let our lovely listeners know how they can find out more about you and your books. Is there a website or some social media they can go to?
1: My website is a work in progress. And so uh, that is coming very soon. But in the meantime, I am on Twitter as Bethany W. Writer. So look out for me there
0: there you go and to you lovely listeners thank you for sticking around we hope you loved today's episode i know i did you can find out more about our content at big kids book club on twitter you're obviously gonna go there to enter that amazing competition But there you'll find out more content about us, our books and our programming, as well as our website, BigKidsBookClub.com. There you'll find a whole host of other content that we put on for a weekly basis, midweek book reviews, as well as TBR teasers. And of course, an entire archive of over 100 episodes of the podcast, so you can always go back and find more bookish content. But that's it for another episode. So until next time, all I have to say is for you to take care, to stay safe, but most importantly to keep on reading.